Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name's Jim Serpico, and this... Should I start with my name? Or should I start with this is Bread for the People? Do you like it like this? Welcome to Bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to Bread for the People. Mine. Is there a script? Today, I had the honor of sitting down with Daniele Brenchi. Daniele is a chef, baker, and bread maker. He's a U.S. ambassador for Moretti Forney Pizza Ovens. His Instagram account, Breadcrumb, is one of the top bread making social media accounts around. Daniele's new book, Advanced Bread Baking at Home, is available everywhere books are sold. Daniele and I got to talk about his unique upbringing in Rome, his journey, the difference between Polish and Biga, and we learn a little bit about bomboloni, an Italian donut dusted with sugar. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Daniele. So, um, I know you have a, a new uh, bread book out, cookbook, yeah. uh, Advanced Bread Baking, which, which I'm intrigued about. Um, but you, you also, you bake bread, pizza, croissants. So many different things. Yes. So there's so much going on. Um, I was scrolling through your Instagram account of which you have a couple. Um, but the breadcrumb account, were you just in Las Vegas for the pizza expo? I was, I was with Las, in Las Vegas cause I'm a Moretti Forni, a U.S. chef and ambassador. So we were there, we had a booth, uh, so much fun. It was great. So, so for people listening to this podcast, could you explain a little bit about the Pizza Expo? Because it sounds to me, from some of the people I've been interviewing and talking to, a lot of them who are world premier chefs were actually there. Yeah, so the Pizza Expo is just like this this huge event uh, where all the pizza, all the big you know pizza uh, figures in the country and Italy and just outside the US also just get together and bring their products, bring their, you know, new equipment, new ideas, new recipes. And it's just an opportunity for everyone to just, you know, share, share their knowledge. And it's, it's been beautiful. So who attends? Uh, everybody, professionals and, and just everybody can. Yeah, really? I think I might have to make that trip next year. Oh, absolutely. You never been? I've never been. Oh, it's so much fun. It's absolutely, it's great. So you great bring event. your stove, your oven. Um, are, are people cooking with, with wood too inside? Like, How does that work? I've, I think there was one booth that had wood burning, but mostly was electric. So the ovens I represent, uh, this is an Italian company. Um, they We do electric ovens. So 
and we did provide ovens for other stands also. Okay. Um, like for the pizza champion, because there's a championship also. Uh, so they were using our oven for it. Um, so fully electric, but yeah, so mostly, mostly it's electric ovens. So who's the pizza champion? Uh, this guy from, uh, from Naples, uh, Carmine. Okay. He has a pizza shop, uh, actually in, uh, in Miami. I was just there. Really? Yeah. I was doing some consulting down there and, uh, yeah, I just went to visit him. It, it was just like a, like a true Napoleon experience. It was amazing. So, um, from the research I've done, it looks like you were greatly impacted by your grandmother mm -hmm. and spending yes. time with her. Yes. I grew up, you know, I grew up in Rome, uh, spend a lot of time with my grandma. She has a little place outside of the, of the city where she built her house. She has a garden, fruit trees and, and, and all of that. And so just like growing up around all of those flavors and all of those, you know, traditions, like really exposed me to like just building that food memory, that flavor memory that like today I try to recreate when I, whenever I cook and I bake. That's amazing. Did she bake and, and cook all types of food or did she like specialize in an area or? She, well, she's a great baker, like desserts. It's, it's her big thing. She has a, a hazel, lots of hazelnut trees. So she will make anything with hazelnuts, like, you know, just cakes and, and, and caramels and all, of, all, all kinds of things. But she's a great cook in general. Like they, um, they're hunters also. There's a lot of wild animals around where they live. Uh, she's a forager. So she will just use anything that comes, you know, in front of her and she'll make it beautifully. So with, with that knowledge as, as a young person, where did you, what was your first professional experience? So it, I went to culinary school in Rome. Uh, I started working at a restaurant uh, in the center of Rome. Uh, it was a very traditional Roman cuisine uh, when I was 16. So from there, I started, you know, getting exposed to like professional restaurants, which I had no idea what that life was like. It was, and, and, and then, you know, started traveling, moved to London, uh, lived in London for a couple of years, and then uh, I was brought to Malibu to open a restaurant. Help us understand Roman cuisine. How is it different in Rome from, from other places in Italy? Well, Rome, well, the beauty of, of, of the cuisine, the Italian cuisine, is that like every region, you know how Italian Italy is divided in regions, right? So every region has its specialties. And, and you know, depending on what, what, what the, what what the land has to offer. Like there will be like recipes that you can find, you know, in Sicily versus Piedmont, right? And so Roman cuisine, you know, like everywhere you go, it's like the best wine, the best cheese, the best salumi, and, and you know, the, the fresh pastas and everyone has a different style of making it. It's, it's basically kind of like the same thing everywhere you go, but everyone makes it a little different and, and they make it their own. Uh, so that's the beauty of Italian cuisine. Very nice. And now you you took that and you got how did you find the 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 work in California and Malibu? Someone brought you over from, from yeah. Italy. So I was working in London um, at a Michelin star restaurant, and you know the chef comes up to me one day and is like, you know, I got a job offer in Malibu to open this restaurant. Let's go. You want to go? I'm like, all right, let's go. Well, we packed and we left the next day, and and here I am nine years later almost. What restaurant was that? It was it was called Nikita. It's uh it's it's right on the ocean next to Nobu. Okay. Right in the heart of Malibu, basically. 
And how much time did you spend at that restaurant? I was there for a couple of years, and while in Malibu, I was introduced to some celebrities and some and some families out there, and 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 I started working as a private chef for them. I wanted to step out of the of the restaurant uh, lifestyle for a little while, and and just you know take care of myself for a little bit. Uh, you know, going from working from 15, 17 hours a day to like six, it's pretty sweet. But life as a personal chef must be interesting. You must have some great stories. Uh, Definitely. A, a personal chef to the stars? Yeah, so I was a personal chef for uh, for some celebrities in Malibu. And uh, and then after that, I decided to go back to restaurants after a couple of years. And so I moved to Chicago. I was in Chicago for a couple of years. Um, uh, while working at a restaurant in Chicago, I injured my lower back. Again, because I was working lots of you know long hours and, and, and all that. Uh, injured my lower back and I couldn't really work for for a few months. Uh, and in the meantime, I got a job offer to move to Pittsburgh uh, to be a private chef again. And and so I really like consider like okay, where where is my career going at this point with this injury and and you know how I want to you know approach the future. Um, and so I decided to move. It was a great opportunity. Uh, one of the guys that used to work with me in Malibu uh, was the one that that offered me the job. Uh, and so I moved and I stayed with this family for three years. Uh, and I started Breadcrumb in the meantime. So how long has that been around? So Breadcrumb started four years ago, about, yeah, four or five years ago. So somebody somebody gifted me a, a little sourdough starter. And, and I had never, I had never took care of a start sourdough. Like I, I didn't really know. I mean, I knew what it was, but I, I didn't really, it wasn't my, you know, every day. And, and so I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's see what this is about. Let's make some bread. I made a first loaf of bread at home and it was terrible. It was just like a, like a stone, like dense and, and, and flat, you know, like all the, everything went wrong. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. But, you know, being the perfectionist I am, I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. So I started baking more consistently and, you know, started posting on Instagram, everything I was baking on, on breadcrumb. And then the pandemic hit. Now with the pandemic, I had so much, you know, I was still working for the family during the pandemic, but I had so much time, you know, to really dedicate myself to baking. And so, and so I started baking more consistently. Uh, I got a book deal. Um, and then, you know, now Advanced Bread Baking at Home, it's, it's out in the world and I'm so excited about it. So yeah, so, so, so much happened in the, in the past three years. So you, you didn't really work with sourdough up until four years ago? Is that is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, basically, yeah, four or five years ago. And and then I started, you know, consistently baking and then trying to perfect, you know, everything I wanted to perfect, like croissants and, and you know, just like different loaves and different recipes. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been four years consistently. I grew up in Rome, so, you know, you grow up around food and bread and, and pizza, you know, it's in my blood, I feel like. It's, it's so, but yeah, professionally, consistently, it's been for four years. I mean, your, your work is just unbelievably beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're familiar with, with baking and bread and cooking, but, you know, what did you do? What steps did you take to become so good at it so quickly? So... I, well, I've always kind of baked in all the restaurants. I will always spend time in the pastry department and the bakery department. And, you know, the, 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 I will always like cut out a little time out of my day to go learn about it. Cause it's, cause it was, cause I was cooking. So it wasn't what I was doing, but I've always been passionate about baking and pastries. 
pastries especially. I, I just love desserts. But yeah, just I think, you know, using like using great flowers, like trying to source locally and try to understand, like really trying to understand how like each different grain performs when you're when you're baking. And that's and that's why, you know, advanced bread baking, uh, that's that's where advanced bread baking was born. I wanted to like just transmit this uh, this passion for 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 the quality of the ingredients and just like have people understand that no, that you can make the same recipe two different days and you can have two completely different outcomes like it's not always consistent so understanding how, how ingredients perform that's what's advanced to me now what what techniques do you use let's talk about a basic rustic sourdough um what's the process that you go through because there's many steps or there can be many steps can be many steps i so when i when i'm making it at home um I auto-lease my flour uh, one hour at least. Uh, I try. I always try to use whole grain into my into my mix. You do. Okay, so let's even back up. So for my friends who who hear these terms come out on some of these podcasts and don't know what they mean, explain to the layman what auto-lease is. So auto-lease is when you basically just mix uh, only the flour and water uh, and, and, and list it in a recipe. Now you can you can mix all the water, or you can uh, mix some eighty percent of the water and keep a little bit on the side that you're going to add later uh, for better gluten development. And you know you can like up that hydration as you as you add water. But yeah, it's basically just water and flour. You just let it sit, start that enzymatic activity, uh, start building gluten uh, and flavor also. So that's the main reason. It's building gluten yeah. and flavor. Yeah. So. That's the main reason for the auto lease, uh, and it helps also. Yeah, obviously, it helps like the strength of the dough as you start building gluten. Uh, so after the auto lease, I have my 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 levan or my sourdough uh, at at the right point. You know, I usually I feed my stuff sourdough started at hundred percent hydration, which means equal parts water, flour, sourdough, right? So that means it's pretty thin, right? It's it's thin, yeah. It's it's a liquid sourdough, like hundred percent. Do you keep it in the um, refrigerator? I keep it in the refrigerator if I store it. But when I'm baking, I usually feed it once, refresh it once. Like I, I let it go through one cycle of feeding, and then I use it, just to like keep it active, right? I add my sourdough to the autolyse flour. If I'm mixing by hand, you know, it's it's a it's a 10 minute, you know, mixing because like then with folds, you're going to over time build that gluten, right? That that strength in the dough. Or if I'm using a KitchenAid, again, it's like eight, 10 minutes. It's a very short, you know, mix because then we go through a long fermentation. And during that fermentation, we I perform folds, which, you know, uh, develop strength in the dough and, and you know, it's, it, it makes it easy to work with. So the long fermentation, otherwise known as a bulk proof, correct? So after we mix, after I mix bulk fermentation, I usually do, you know, I, I always have an hygrometer in my kitchen that measures humidity and temperature. Also, uh, yeah, it's in my fridge. It's like one of those, you know, stick on the fridge. It's so, it's so useful. I love it. What exactly are you you're trying to figure out? So with that, uh, that indicates the temperature and the humidity in the room, right? So obviously, like my kitchen is never going to be above 70% humidity, 
which is which is pretty much the the, the right humidity for for proofing. So what I do, I turn my oven into a into a proofing chamber, and I talk about it in the book. So basically, you turn the light on, uh, the oven's off, light on, the light heats up and brings that temperature up in the oven. Um, you do this like a half hour, 40 minutes before you put the bread in, um, the dough in, and you know, you're up at 75, you know, you want to, you want to be between, I want to be between 70, 80 degrees. Now for humidity, what I do in the oven, I just put a cup of hot water from the tap into the oven. That was like 20 minutes before. And that brings the, the, the humidity up. Now with that hygrometer in the, in the oven, I'm able to measure exactly temperature and humidity. And so whenever I'm I'm bulk proofing, uh, bulk fermenting my dough, I just keep it in the oven uncovered because it doesn't dry out. The humidity is just right. And then every 45 minutes, 50 minutes, depending on the recipe, I just, I perform folds. Do you then do a cold fermentation after that? Yes, I do. So after the bulk proof, I usually pre-shape it uh, because I'm, I'm, Usually working with one kilo flour, 75% hydration. So I make about like two or three loaves like that. So I pre-shape it and I let it bench rest, uh, covered for, for about an hour. So bulk fermentation, I go three and a half, four hours. So not super long. Some people go up to six, you know, depending uh, on the recipe, but I do three and a half, usually three folds. Uh, I pre-shape, let it rest for about an hour. Uh, and then shape it. After it's shaped, it goes in the basket, straight in the fridge. For how long? Overnight. Overnight. Well, up, up to 16, 18 hours. And then obviously I'm baking in a, in a cast iron at home. So I'm baking one at a time. Sometimes I bake twice because I have lava rocks also set up in my, in, my, in my home oven to create steam and all of that. Uh, but if I'm baking in a, in a cast iron pan, I bake one at a time. So and it takes about 45, 50 minutes. So the, the, the other loaf that is in the fridge gets that one hour uh, extended fermentation. And I always see the difference. It's always fun to like look at the difference just in one hour. So when I'm baking at this point, I'm usually baking for a farmer's market or multiple farmer's markets. And I'm not baking one or two loaves at a time. So right. one of the issues I have is all the space the amount of time i have as one person trying to do 80 loaves any advice for me on trying to hit all these steps because i i cut some corners i don't do because what you're talking about for two loaves of bread is a lot of work it's a lot of work it's easier to manage for sure uh yeah when you talk about large quantities um Maybe you want to sh- you want to make your bulk fermentation a little shorter and play like that because by the time you're done pre-shaping and shaping, you know uh, all of that. That I'm, I don't know how much how much dough you work with at a time, but you know if you shorter your bulk fermentation, you're able to you know by the time you're done shaping to get to the right point of fermentation. What, I, what I've been doing, and again, I kind of just figured this out, and I don't know if for better or for worse, I don't pre-shape. I okay. I get to cold fermentation step uh in bulk and then 
I shape and put it right in the oven. Okay. Um, that allows me, I don't know, it's just a way I figured it out to, uh, it actually saves space. It's really more that because I'm, I'm keeping right. them in, in cubes and in rectangular cubes in the refrigerator. And I don't have individual yeah. Benettons in, in the refrigerator and trying to, I, I did try that originally. But then I had to figure out how to stack them and, you know, how to deal oh. with them. <laughs> yeah, definitely more practical that way, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the amazing thing about bread there. I don't know. It, it, I don't know if there's even a right or wrong. Um, it's just all exactly. a little different, you know? Yeah. That's what I love about it, too. Like, there's no, like, this is how you do it. It's just like every baker has his own way. And, like, ultimately, it's like, the, what's the final product like, you know? And and it's not about, you know, Instagram. I feel like Instagram has created this this expectation that all breads have to be with this extreme open crumb and, and beautiful and per perfect. But like, realistically, if you travel through Italy and all the breads I grew up eating, the crumb is not open at all. Like the crumb is very dense and, and, and you know, it's about the flavor, it's about the flowers you use, it's the quality of the ingredients. It's not, it's not only the look, right? And I feel like Instagram has created all of that, which I'm part of. You 100%. are part of, man. I'm looking at these photos. Yeah, and they're just I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's it's important to, you know, pick great ingredients, you know, support local. And, and I always I always preach that. Um, so so tell me a little bit about the actual Instagram account. Are you taking these photos? I mean, these photos on breadcrumb and it's underscore breadcrumb. Are yeah, unbelievable. Thank you. That's all me. That's all I took. All, I take all the photos. I have a little uh, uh, shaping table here in my dining room. Uh, you know, I always try to get you know get the right lighting during the day and like whenever you know I kind of plan it with 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 the lighting no in the kidding. day if I'm taking photos. So are you using? Are you supplementing the lighting? No, not at all. I have a. I have a, you know my my dining room is a, this beautiful. Uh, uh, window that you know i get the afternoon lighting and it's just perfect and what kind of camera are you using if you don't mind me asking uh my iphone 11 pro <laughs> no way yeah yeah and i also shot my uh my book that's that was all me those are all my photos well you you all with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So... I mean, you have everything it takes to do it. You have the eye. I mean, because the, the way these photos are set up, I'm looking at them right now. It's just unreal. Thank you. It's fun. I love photography. Definitely. I'm, uh, I'm, next investment, it will be a nice camera for sure. So I'm looking at a photo here. This must be a ciabatta. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit about ciabatta. I'd like to become personally better. At, is at, that the one from my book? This one was, it might be in your book. It's on your Instagram feed from May 2019. So ciabatta, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty easy 
you know, straightforward kind of like same, you, you know, same day kind of bake, you know? So you want to, you want to develop a great, you know, great dough, great structure. I, in this, in this one I use in the dough, I use a red five brain that actually my friend, uh, Anthony, uh, uh, they own him and his family own Mediterra Bakehouse. Uh, it's a big bakery here in Pittsburgh. They sell bread at Whole Foods. Uh, pretty much everyone the East Coast, they're they're pretty awesome, and they grow their own grain in uh, Arizona. Uh, so I always, whenever I see him, I always steal a little bit of their grain because they have some some of the best stuff. And uh, so Red Five is what they mainly use. And so I had some in my hand. I was like, let me try this, and you know, it's just fun to work with. It absorbs a ton of water. Uh, so you can, you know, up your hydration in the dough. Now for a ciabatta, what I did, you know, you bulk proof it and basically kind of just like when it's up to, uh, up to like right proofing, you kind of just like lay it on the, on the table, like kind of like a, like a big rectangular. And then you just cut it. Like you cut either your like, like little ciabattas or your, your loaves and you put it on a, uh, on a baking cloth or a kush. And then you just let it, let it proof again. Uh, you don't want to shape it too much. You're not rolling. You're not folding. You're not shaping. You you just want to be delicate with the dough, and you know you just cut it, let it let like give it a little proof again, and then bake right away. You What's the rising proof. agent you're using? Well, for this one in my book, I did um, uh, a Polish, and uh, it's a hybrid. So I did a Polish, and I did a um, like with sourdough. Okay, could you could you walk us through that that Polish step if we wanted to make. Because I've never made anything with sourdough as the rising agent in the same day. Um, so with the Polish, does that start in the morning too, or is that actually the day before? What I you could start it in the, the the same day, but I do it the day before. So you want to go, you know, very small amount of yeast. We're talking, you know, zero two percent, zero you know five percent yeast of something like um, Red Star Active Yeast. Uh, I would I would use. I, I don't personally use active dry. Uh, I use instant. Oh, okay. When I even when I make pizza for you know even oh, like long a soft instant yeast. Yeah, instant yeast because active dry you have to activate it. And what that you know if I'm making if I'm making dough if I'm making pizza I don't want to activate my my yeast. It's just an extra step, right? Because you're activating yeast and you have to use warm water and that messes up with the temperature of your dough. So instant yeast or fresh yeast like baker's yeast straight into the mix and, and, and just let it go. Now your Polish, uh, Polish is different than Biga. Um, it's the same thing. Basically it's a pre-ferment. So you're pre-fermenting a portion of your flour, uh, into the, on the final mix. Now Polish is different than Biga, uh, because of the hydration. Now Polish is a, it's a hundred percent, um, hydration mix pre-ferment. A Biga will be like 40, 50, 60 percent depending on depending on the baker 60 percent um, hydration hydration yes uh so the polish you know like the biga they will improve uh texture of your dough and you know elasticity and 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 just overall you know texture um so yeah very small amount of of yeast uh just room temperature you can either go room temperature or fridge it, it, it all it, there's so many ways you can do this uh, I usually do room temperature for five, six hours and just let it start, let it go, and then put it in the fridge overnight. The next day, um, I'm adding to that Polish, and obviously you measure everything uh, perfectly. 
so I'm adding to that Polish flour water, you know, sourdough, and I start mixing. I always keep a little water behind, a, a little water, you know, um, on the side that I can add at the end of it. So you do want to, I want to, uh, you know, create a great, great gluten structure, start mixing, and then start adding more water and, and kind of like push the dough up until it takes it, you know. And you could tell by looking or feeling. Feeling, you know, you stretch it, you do like a little window pane, uh, you know, test and, and yeah, you just see it. It's got to be shiny, not sticky. Like your dough doesn't never have to be like too sticky. For Chibata. Uh, you know, for Chibata, yeah. Like even high, like, because uh, you go high hydration, you know, like easily 80%. And no salt? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh. salt, salt. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Always salt. Even though I, I grew up eating some breads in Rome, Pane Chapo, which they make with no salt. And, you know, I never liked it. <laughs> That's a good reason. Yeah. How do you feel about adding sugar to doughs? I don't personally do it. Um, I think, I don't know, I think, I think that takes away from building flavor. I think because you know those the, the, that yeast is going to consume that sugar instead of breaking down, you know, the carbohydrates in the flour. I mean, it, it, you know, we, we get into like chemical reactions here, but I never do. I never add sugar or you know anything like that. When you're doing focaccia, a similar method? Are you doing a poolish? Focaccia, so in the book, I do direct, though, so I'm just mixing yeast right away. Um, but sometimes I will make, you know, if I'm making it at home, you know, today for tomorrow, and I want to speed up the process or, like, you know, just speed up that enzymatic activity in the in the dough, I make a biga the day before. Um, you know, the night before, make a biga. Same, same thing with... Uh, for the Polish, you know, you just leave it out, put it in the fridge. You can leave it at room temperature. And the next day, you just mix all your ingredients in. Uh, bulk proof it for a few hours. Uh, usually, I'm, I use like a 30, 30 to 50% bigger in my focaccia if I'm baking the same day. Uh, and it just comes hairy and like, you know, super crispy. Now, you had a focaccia that I think it was called focaccia puglisi. Pugliese, yeah. So, Puglia... Puglia is a, is a region. It's one of my favorite regions uh, in Italy. It's it's basically the the heel of the boot, right? Like very very south, beautiful olive oils. Like just ingredients in, like the seafood in Puglia is just unbelievable. I spent some time there this summer, and it was my first time down there. So it was it was just amazing. Yeah, the Pugliese will just use fresh tomatoes, you know, onions. Some people do it with, with like, different things. Um, I'm looking yeah, at that it, photo. It's so pretty. The, the, the tomatoes you have on there, and then you have red onions, and it looks like rosemary. Yeah, rosemary, oregano, uh, flaky salt, always mandatory. <laughs> it looks so beautiful. I love the on. I mean, onions, to me, like, whenever, even when I make Roman pizza, right, you make a nice tray of Romana, like putting raw onion on the dough before you bake it, it just enhances the whole experience. Like the, the, the onions are just going to like turn into like this sweet, you know, and if they burn a little bit, it's even better. So, so this, this focaccia, can I make this without using sourdough? Yeah, absolutely. That, that recipe is actually made with, uh, with uh, commercial yeast. It is. Yeah. Most of my pizzas in the book are, uh, are made with commercial yeast and they're direct doughs. 
Uh, I give them 48 hours usually um, fermentation in the fridge. But I did, I did include, because I know how everyone's obsessed with sourdough, and, and I am too. I love it. Uh, I did, a, I did um, include a recipe with sourdough, which is the Genovese. Oh, focaccia Genovese? Yeah, so I did a focaccia Genovese with sourdough. Oh, because that's the one I make. I learned that from reading Carol Field's book, but not sourdough. Okay. Yeah, sourdough, you know, I usually, you know, when, if I make pizza, I don't, I don't use sourdough. That's, the, you know, it's, it's yeast, it's commercial yeast. It's just that flavor memory that I have. And, and, you know, it's a textural thing and it's a flavor thing for me. But you're doing Polish for the pizza, right? I, if I do a pre-ferment, I do bigger. Okay. If I, if I use a pre-ferment. But usually when I make pizza, it's direct. Though I mix, go straight in, straight in the fridge up to 96 hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah, up to, well, I mean, I usually do 40, minimum 48, you know, and I, and I cut my dough and pre-shape it kind of like halfway and like let it finish ferment in the fridge uh, shaped. And then I just take it out give it like three hours room temp and bake it wow that's amazing i just got a i just got a gosney dome for oh, my backyard and yeah. oh man that thing like i want one i don't really have a reason to have it i have the rock box already nice i have that too yeah that's, <laughs> that's side by side you know do you have it's so pretty they're so nice. The I was just watching. I, I was just on your Instagram earlier. I was looking at that uh, igloo. You saw it. The... <laughs> <laughs> so many people thought that was real. That was amazing. I thought it was real. No. So I was like, what, is, what is happening here? People were no, coming to the shop that we sell our bread at uh, before the next snowstorm, asking for our pizza dough uh, because they want to try the igloo. And I said, "Listen, guys, we're kidding around. It's not real." <laughs> Oh, that was great. That was great. Thank you. And is this what I think it is? Bombolini? Bomboloni, yeah. Bomboloni. So Bombay, the Bombay Bomboloni in, in, in Rome it's 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 a thing. So they do Bomboloni and Ciambelle, which Ciambelle will be the donuts that, that you guys have in the US. So with the hole in the middle? With a hole in the middle, and they're just tossed in sugar. We don't do we don't do you we don't do glaze or anything. Just tossed in sugar. Uh, but the bomboloni, I wanted to include that recipe because it's just like, it's one of my, with the espresso filling and milk chocolate is just. It's, really? It's so how do you, so tell me a little bit more about that. Again, another great photo. I've done these with Nutella filling. Mm -hmm. So, so this is an espresso filling. So this is an espresso filling. The filling that I did was basically a, a, a custard that I made with it by infusing uh, just coffee beans into the into the custard, and then after the custard is done, you just throw a bunch of milk chocolate in it, and and when it cools down, the milk chocolate obviously is gonna harden, right? And so it's gonna give you that creamy extra texture that that you that you're looking for. So it's an egg egg custard, you know, uh, flavored with coffee and, and and chocolate and milk. And so essentially, it's it's fried dough, correct? Deep fried dough, it's a sourdough bomboloni. Again, obsessed with sourdough, so that, that, that takes it up, you know, a notch uh, as far as flavor. It's it's basically a brioche dough, you know, with sourdough. Long proofing, they do need to proof a long time because it's an enriched dough with sourdough. 
So that's, you know, yes, you, you need to prove for a long time. So in rich dough, um, you, you, we're talking about eggs, we're talking about butter, milk? Butter, yes, correct. Um, yeah, long proofing, and then, you know, get your oil nice and hot. and, and Is it a cold fried. ferment in the fridge? A long, for, like, so you mix it, and then... It could be, you could do both. You could do both. Either one? It, you can all you can always manage fermentation however you prefer uh, based on your schedule and your your preference. Uh, in this case, um, I believe I did uh, same day. You know, like room temperature. I think I went up six hours uh, fermentation and then they're fried. It's just so interesting. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking one day at the farmers market, I'd love to sometimes just do something crazy and just show up with just this. I think it'll blow people's mind because no one else has anything like this. Yeah, you should. You should. And if this could be stored at room temperature? Yeah. It, they're best sold warm and, 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 and quick. You know, like you don't want to, you know, have them sit all day out. But, you know, if you're a, a farmer's market, you know, if they sit out for one hour, people will going to consume them quick and they'll be fine. I'm actually starting a farmer's market also here in Pittsburgh. Oh, you're going to do it? Uh, yeah, so I have, I, have, I have different some a few different things going on right now. So I'm the U.S. Uh, chef uh, and ambassador for Moretti Forni, which is an Italian brand. They make professional deck ovens, pizza ovens. Yeah, it's an electric deck oven that also you yeah. can get um, with steam too, right? Exactly. Yeah, correct. And and they just came out with the with the new oven. It's the Neapolis, which is designed for Neapolitan pizza, round pizzas. I mean, you can make pala, you can make anything in that thing. It's it's gorgeous. Why the other uh, the other oven is designed for rectangular. The other one is a deck oven, so bread croissants, pastries, bread, you know, just anything. So that's just a deck oven. The other one is it's it mimics a wood burning oven as far as the shape goes. Um, comes in two sizes and, and you have basically, you know, six or nine pizzas that you can bake at a consistent temperature, you know, extremely consistent and fully electric. And you're going to take that to the farmer's market? No, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have a, no, that, that would be fun. That would be awesome. But it's, it's a little, it's a little too big for that. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to use a deck oven and just make some focaccias, uh, sandwiches and pizzas. Uh, Romana mostly because I'm, I'm I'm looking to open a business here in Pittsburgh. Really? Um, yeah. So I want to do a little um, pizza Romana, like Roman shop, with uh, with a cafe bakery in the morning. I love that idea. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm just you know consulting and traveling around with them, you know, all over the country, which has been fun. What would you think about bringing the rock box or those types of things to the farmers market? I thought about it. Yeah, yeah. It it is it is. Well, I will bring the dome more than the rock box. Uh, it is a little heavy to move, but I don't know. I could find the system. Because I, I just got the uh, the cart also, like the, the, the bottom part. So, I saw yeah. on, on the Gosney Instagram, they featured somebody that started a mobile pizza business with all with the dome set up. It looks just absolutely... Oh, and they have two in the, in the truck, right? Is yeah. that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super cool. I love it. So, you know, back to the business side of things. Where, where do you, you're doing breadcrumb. What is, if you don't mind me asking, what, what is the, what do you, what's the end goal here with breadcrumb? 
So, well, my end goal here is to open my own business and just start, you know, like just making bread and pizzas and just pastries and have fun like that. Breadcrumb has transformed, obviously, like since I started it uh, with the book and, 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 and with other things. Um, I do, I am starting to do more consulting and more classes. So I think maybe Breadcrumb could become a platform where people you know, come and learn and have classes. We have one-on-one or we have group classes. So that, that could be an option. Well, I, I'm interested in taking some classes and some consulting because I love everything you're doing here. And I aspire yeah, to be able you. to bake what you're showcasing. Thank you. That'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be super fun. I was just in Miami doing some uh, some demos uh, with the Moretti ovens and, and we had some, uh, some pizza guys down there and, and you know, it, it was fun. It was just fun to make pizza with all these people, and they all have different styles, right? So they're all bringing their own, their own style to the table, and just like, you know, it, it's just just fun and enriching. So one one last question: You, you kind of fell in love with the art of cooking and baking because of your grandmother, um, and at this stage in life, are you having fun? Do you still enjoy it? I that is a priority for me. I I I I get bored real quick if I do the same thing over and over, and that's why cooking and baking is such a you know broad you know art that you can just like have fun all the time. And and I make that a priority. I need to have fun and I need to explore and experiment all the time and do new things. I can't do the same thing every day over and over. I need to I need to explore. But yes, definitely, definitely still having fun with it. Is that a potential obstacle in opening your own place? Because once you open that place. I think, no, I mean, I think that could that, that could seem like it, but I feel like that could be a platform for me to just, you know, explode and, and, and just, ex, you know, just experience what, what, what it is that I've learned over the years and, and, and just have fun with it and make so many different things. I have just so many different things that I, that I in my mind that I want to do. And sometimes I don't have the platform because, you know, yeah, I'm doing it at home. And, and But I think if I, in, in a shop consistently, I would just be doing different things every day. Yeah. I mean, it is like I'm I'm not even joking about showing up one day with just Bombolini or Bomboloni. Uh, yeah. Because I have the freedom to do that. Right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And it's fun. And, you know, that's what's amazing. And I was reading about about your story, too. Like, it's pretty, it's, it's impressive where, where you took the uh, side hustle. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, we're at a crossroads because I got it as far as I can get it. And I have to make a move now. I have to, I think I have to get a place that's my own so that I have the freedom to do it the way I want. And also, I think in the bread business, it's important to figure out revenue streams besides selling loaves of bread. Most bakers I know that are very successful and very talented who end up opening a bakery, it, it turns into a cafe in a good way. Right. But, you, you know, you need to make money by selling coffee and sandwiches on your bread and other things, right? Definitely. So yeah. um, that would be the next logical step for us, and we're taking it slow but trying to figure that out. That's awesome. Well, good luck. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. Uh, it was so nice to get to know you a little bit, and... Um, I really love what you're doing. I certainly am going to dive into your, your new book, which is available on your website. 
my website, Amazon, Target, Barnes and Nobles, everywhere. Amazing. So. Congratulations on that. Uh, I'm going to certainly check it out. And uh, next time you're free in New York, please give me a shout. I would love to meet up with you. Absolutely. We'll make some bread, some pizza. Let's do it. And bomboloni. There you Maybe go. Maybe we'll make that together. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. This episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone. <laughs>